Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. on WMR.FM. It's Jim Hedge from Niche Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. This show is recorded live to podcast on the uh, 7th of the 6th of July, 2023. Christine, how you doing today? Okay, we finally got summer temperatures in Las Vegas, so it's been a little hot this week, but otherwise good. Uh, it's been a little hot all around the world. In fact, yeah. the last uh, three days in a row have been the hottest days ever recorded in uh, human history. And, well, yeah, in human history, I think it was what, 125, was it 1,000 or a million years ago was the last time it was this hot. Uh, yes. And, and by the way, they weren't actually measuring temperatures back then. And uh, no, when we say no, human no. history, we actually mean modern history because accurate weather recording. Um... <laughs> well, they can tell a lot, though, by, you know, other things, that, you know, temperature wise. So you know, layers, 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 layers. But, you know, it's interesting is Vegas has been unseasonably cool from January until a week ago. And then now we're normal. But it's funny to watch the national news because they're like the heat wave. In, in Las Vegas, they're like, no, this is just July. <laughs> well, We're the, one of the few areas that are not abnormal. Everywhere else in the country is, though. So. There is abnormal heat sitting over Texas. There's abnormal yeah. heat sitting over the east. There's abnormal heat over the Great Lakes Basin, um, where I'm at. And, Very uh, dangerous. Yeah, um, it's, it's pretty rough out there. Um, hydrate yourselves. Be really careful just walking to and from uh, uh, the shops. Um, the main street of my neighborhood is a block and a half from my place. So I just went out food foraging for lunch before the show. And I came back with a leaden chest. It is so hot. You can barely breathe outside. Yeah. And um, you have humidity. So now luckily most of us work inside, unless you have your computer on a very long extension cord uh, in, your, <laughs> in uh, the backyard, public park or the library, you're probably working from home in some, in an air conditioned out, at least sheltered environment. Um, which is good because it's freaking hot outside. <laughs> so speaking, I mean, I'm, I'm, that was supposed, I was trying to work my way into things are heating up sort of joke, but things, I mean, like th things are heating up. I'm the, Threads is here. It was released, supposed to be released today, but actually got released last night. Yeah. Um, the Twitter killer. What do you think? Maybe. Ah, maybe. I don't know yet because it's missing a lot of features. I have a feeling they just took advantage of the, hey, Musk decided to do things at Twitter that caused them lots of problems. Let's take advantage of the opportunity because we'll talk about those things later. But um, yeah, so it's it works very much like Twitter. In fact, I mean, almost identically to Twitter. It just is missing a lot of features. Like it doesn't have a great search function. They didn't put in hashtags. There's no messaging. Uh, there's uh, no GIFs. Uh, there is a bunch of like little things that still need to be done, but the head of the project uh, is on threads. Uh, his name is Mosier, it looks like. And, uh, I don't know for Adam sure. Mosseri. Yeah, Mosseri. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> and uh, he's responsible, you know, he's responsible. He's asking people to give him feedback and questions and giving timelines. So we'll see. I think it does it have the potential to be a Twitter killer. It definitely does, except they're going to have to add a desktop version. Right now, it's only on the phone. If they don't right. add a desktop version, it won't, won't be a Twitter killer because a lot of us just use it during our workday on the computer. It would also be very helpful if they added, I don't know, the European Union. Um, <laughs> yeah. Current, <laughs> currently, no Threads is not available in the EU due to um, European privacy, uh, privacy laws. And that's actually about how Meta and Instagram network and distribute information, not necessarily a problem with threads itself. Um, but those issues have to be cleared up between Meta and uh, and the EU before threads is going to be um, allowed to popularize itself in Europe. I think that's going to happen fairly quickly because um, yeah. I'm on threads now. 
Um, and you know, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work uh, exactly like Twitter in that I wrote something pretty innocuous and I did not have a bunch of Nazis try to shoot me down. I know, right? Although uh, I saw I saw one of the, uh, the the hate group people they're on the platform now, so we'll see how long that lasts. But it was nice. It, it was nice for twenty four hours. So, <laughs> well, so. Um, for what it's worth, um, and actually, you you provided this, this example. It looks as if um, Threads is going to try to pre warn um, people about um, users that have violated Instagram's terms of service. Uh, the example um, given was Donald Trump Jr.'s new uh, Threads profile is um, comes with a this guy mightn't be telling the truth warning. It does. It definitely does. And, I, and I'm sure that's a carryover from his time on Instagram. I don't think it just happened in the last 24 hours. But it is like a, a warning like you get on Facebook if you don't use Instagram where it says like this may be telling a lie. Well, his account, if you go to follow him, it tells you this account shares a lot of false information. So that's, I think that would be that probably very helpful and, you know, overall. So we'll see. Um, and then the other thing is uh, apparently Meta tried to launch Threads years ago and then abandoned it. So it is interesting that they called this new project Threads too. But, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, hopefully they'll address all those issues. I, I mean, the, I have my issues with Zuckerberg and Meta and Facebook and how they've handled hate groups and hate speech and all that on the platform, but they're under a lot of scrutiny all the time. And so if anyone's going to be more circumspect um, in the space of potential Twitter, you know, replacements, it's probably going to be Meta, you know, because they already have congressional heat on them for other actions that they did not take or things that they did not do. So uh, I think they, if they can get the features right, you know, that'll be the big test because I don't use Facebook on my, I mean, Twitter on my phone all that much. I use it probably 80% of the time on my desktop. There's no desktop app. I, I won't be using it that often. That but, is, yeah, that actually is another fa fairly major limitation to threads. Currently, it's limited to iOS or Android apps only. Um, you don't get this on your desktop. Um, there is a desktop version of Instagram, although Instagram was also designed to work in the mobile environment more than the desktop environment. Um, everyone's walking around with a phone, uh, with a camera phone, I should say. Um, that's what Instagram's all about. This is different, though. This is a communications device more than a um, sharing, photo sharing device. Exactly. And it definitely needs, it has to have a desktop version. It just, there's just so many people that use it. like. Reporters, researchers, academics—you know, famous people that aren't sitting on their phones all day. This isn't a this isn't a teenage product, you know, where they think that you know, or younger people, I should say, not just teenage, but you know, a lot of younger people are on their phones mostly. But once you have a regular job and you're sitting in front of your computer all day, you're not on your phone. So if they don't have a desktop version, I think they're going to have difficulties. Yeah, although I, I I do I do think people would describe this as an adolescent application in that it's um. It's barely been born and it's already running around thinking it owns the world. Oh, you um, know how many users they had this morning as of like uh, 9 a.m.? 8 million or so? It, it, it's 23. Just, 23 million, excellent. Yeah, 23 million. So the people are people are coming over and I've seen a lot of big brands on there. So that's why the reason I think if they get the features right and they add a desktop version, it could be a, a Twitter killer is it's very similar to Twitter. And it uh, has all the big brands are already migrating to it. You know, so um, that that spells out potential large amounts of money for advertising uh, when they start that to get that rolling. So uh, Musk may have just uh, by trying to force everybody this week to pay him more money. Uh, he may have put the final nail in the coffin. So we'll see. Um, so. One of the uh, people groups that will not be advertising on um, threads. Instagram, Meta, or on Google, is Canadian, Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, and British Columbian governments so far. Other provincial governments are thinking of signing on, but as of the beginning of the uh, of next month, the Canadian government is pulling all of its ads from uh, from Google and from Meta properties in retaliation for Google and Meta cutting off news access to Canadians in retaliation for um in retaliation for 
the Canadian government demanding Meta and Google pay for news that they are repurposing and uh, passing on to their consumers. Confused? You won't be after you read our, our convenient scorecard. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Canadian government is pulling out all of its advertisements from, uh, from, from Facebook, Meta, um, and uh, uh, Google properties. Admittedly, that only amounts to about a hundred million dollars or so in um, in spend a year across all properties. But um, still, it's a, and then that is a hundred million Canadian, by the way. Um, but it's still <laughs> a, a fair chunk of change. Well, I mean, we should explain to people why there is this feud between Canadian government and these agencies. Well, here's here's, here's the thing to keep it. in mind. What's happening in Canada is going to be happening in America. It's going to be happening in Britain. Um, it's going to be happening in a number of other countries, but it's happening in Canada first. It actually happened in Australia first, but there was a settlement between uh, uh, the uh, large tech houses and the Australian media. So what's happening is the Canadian government has put forward a bill, C-15. C-15 among okay. many is a, is a is a very large piece of legislation um covers a number of uh a number of things including getting the um social media and news aggregators google news and facebook uh primarily to compensate canadian media outlets when they take stories say published by the national post the toronto star ctv news etc um when they take these stories and they publish them on their own pages and repurpose them and serve them up to uh to to their consumers you're bypassing the canadian news organization that created this content and taking the ad dollars for yourself that's gutting journalism in this country and in many countries around the world including the united states Canadian government is one of the first uh, governments to try to take on the uh, social media and um, search companies. And being a small country of only 40 million consumers, it's not hard to slap us around a lot. Um, and that, in fact, is what's, uh, is in fact what's happening. Um, Google and Meta are... Uh, no longer publishing news in Canada as of the beginning of next month. And in turn, Canada is slapping back by not giving them taxpayer dollars for advertising. We'll see how it plays out and they'll probably reach a deal like they did with Australia. So, I, sus I suspect and, oh, so. Way, quick, quick correction, I, it's C-18 instead of C-15. I'm sorry, um, C-18. And I suspect that um, both Meta and Google are playing hardball with Canada because Canada's one of the first in a whole line of other countries that are trying to introduce similar legislation. So beat up on the Canadians and maybe the Argentinians won't be as, uh, won't put as much pressure on. Ah, definitely possible. But I, do, I mean, there has to be some sort of uh, middle space where, you know, the publishers don't get completely, um, you know, messed over by, and while the big companies make a lot of money off of what they do. Sadly, that's not going to happen, at least not from uh, Meta or, or Google. The government might compensate, uh, might compensate uh, publishers, but I think that's also fairly unlikely. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of publishers are going to be collateral damage. But, uh, yeah, sadly, yeah, true. But not as much collateral damage as, I don't know, everything you ever wrote on Twitter was. Okay, so getting stuff into Google and getting that distribution from Google is really important. And Canadian, the Canadian uh, uh, media is going to lose a heck of a lot of money by not being um, distributed by Google. They'd make even more money if Google and, and, and Facebook was like, you know, paying them for their content. But um, being cut off from Google means you are cut off from the greatest fire hose of reference ever, ever existed. Yes. 
so do you remember last week where Twitter basically DDoS itself? <laughs> well, it de-indexed itself. Well, that, it de-indexed of... itself as a result of trying to fix a problem it created for itself. You know, but that's such a weird way to fix that problem. So for those who don't know, uh, Twitter decided to what they call rate limit your your feed, depending on if you pay him or don't pay him. So if you didn't pay him, you got 600 uh, views, I'm putting that in quotes, or you get 6,000 if you pay him. Uh, the 600 includes anything that just appears in your feed. And if you've ever been on Twitter, you know, you have this like one feed that's everything and you may not read any of the posts on it, but it's going through your feed and those counted against you. So, uh, so people are like at like 10 in the morning, like, well, I'm done for the day because I can't read anything more on Twitter today and you're not allowed to post and you weren't allowed to do anything on the platform to stop scraping. And you and I both deal with scraping and that is definitely not the way I know any programmer ever would deal with scraping. So I, I kind of wonder if that's really the reason, but that's what he says. Okay, so how reason. did this affect Google? Well, you and I both know as soon as you make content inaccessible to Google, they don't tend to like to keep that content around. So Google couldn't access the content. And after it was pretty fast, how fast was it? I think it was like over 48, 24, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. They had lost 50% of their estimate, estimated 50% of their visibility in Google. So, so that's, yeah, that's a lot. So people might ask themselves, how does this happen so fast? And this is actually kind of cool. It's a, it is a really cool illustration of how Google works. Google will hit a page um, as often as it thinks is necessary to record changes happening at that page. So it gets all the information that's available on the web. Now, most of the pages we work with, um, you know, they change when product changes or inventory changes or whatever. But for the most part, they're, they don't change that much, right? Um, I, I have some clients who have pages that have been the same for years and other parts of their website change fairly frequently. And so Google will even prioritize what parts of a website it visits. Areas that change fairly frequently, it's going to hit fairly frequently because it perceives change there. Areas that don't change frequently, well, you know, it can take a, it can take a look, sees that nothing has changed, so it just goes away and assumes that all is good. So. Twitter obviously gets hit really frequently by Google. It comes back to visit like all the time, or even more so. Twitter feeds Google rather than Google coming to it. Yes, they and have suddenly, a fire hose. Kapoof, a big crimp in the hose. Google goes to look, see if that information's available. It's not. What's a Google to do? It uh, just, you know, basically it's like a brain shutting down. Well, we also, they had the fire hose, which probably made it much faster. So for those that don't know, Twitter is directly fed into Google. Google doesn't have to come crawl it. So if the fire hose suddenly stopped giving Google information, well, Google would just probably start dropping those posts because it's not there. So uh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Google's going to go take a look to see what it can see. And then it's going to get immediately crimped because this is a limit to the number of posts it's allowed to see. And this is Twitter. It's, the change happens so quickly that even if Google goes to check out to see if there is content there, it's still going to get cut off. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Of course, you know, Twitter doesn't have an SEO. Had they had an SEO, consultant SEO, they might have told them it was a really bad idea to not so, give Google their feed. According, according to Barry Schwartz at a Search Engine Roundtable, as of this morning, changes made at Twitter have um, allowed content to start reappearing in Google again. It's not all back, but it's coming back. So that was really stupid, eh? <laughs> well, it was not, you know, but if you had people that worked there, you might have had someone tell you, but since you don't, no, but they don't have an SEO. So they probably, they probably would have known if they had an SEO. Well, that was a pretty big mistake. So, I mean, Google's Google's bringing it back. I see a lot of um, uh, journalists, I wish journalists would talk to SEOs before they publish stuff, saying that Google was acting against Twitter and that's not what happened. It's literally how Google works. If, if they come across your page and your you know, information is no longer there, they drop it from the search results. In this case, because they had a fire hose of information, it just dropped it really, really fast. So I did have a client once 
that accidentally ticked themselves off their own DNS in the morning. And by, yeah, their own, they took their website offline. But um, by, by afternoon, they had dropped like 40% in, in the rankings. It was very, very fast. So um, I don't know, you know, the, we don't know the black box we're working with, but uh, it can be that quick, even if you're not a big company like Twitter. So. Well, I, you know what, I really wish I could find a way to uh, uh, make a segue out of this one. Um, <laughs> this is a John Muellerism. No ranking factor compensates for missing relevance or missing content in general. Um, no ranking factor compensates for missing relevance. So, uh, yeah, John Mueller I mean, was was asked one of those questions, and he gave a a, a snappy answer. Um, it's easy to forget a site doesn't just rank on its own; it only ranks for what it's relevant for. Um, Hello. Do you do you get the feeling sometimes that we're that we're back in an era of magic bullet expectations from from clients and people who know a little bit about SEO but don't actually understand SEO? Because that's what possible. he's getting at here. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I think we have a whole influx of new SEOs too, though, because they're all they answer a lot of basic questions lately. So that you know, we've been a long time. So for us, it's like what? But you know, if you're new to SEO, maybe you don't know. You have to have relevance on the page. <laughs> I had a, had a big brand once that dropped out of number one for a massive term for their site. And I went to the page and I'm like, uh, you know, the term's no longer on the page at all, right? <laughs> what? Like, so they'd taken the term off the page and they used some like snappy branded term they created, which meant nothing to Google. So now the page had literally no relevance to, to the item that they were trying to sell. Uh, as soon as we put the word back on the page, then it came right back up to number one, but it was kind of funny. So yes, you always have to have relevance. And this is this is a massive brand, like multi-billion dollar brand. So all the links in the world aren't gonna save you if the content doesn't relate to what someone's searching for. So um, that's, a, that, again, that's an important point to, uh, for, for, for Elon and the um, new junior SEO over at Twitter. Um, if there's no, relevant content you're not gonna rank for anything because there's just no content <laughs> yeah if you don't give content to the search engines they usually don't rank you it's kind of a weird thing <laughs> it is kind of weird see i i i i just i desperately tried to find a good segue there but it, it just wasn't there <laughs> but it was so close it was so close Perhaps, so far away. <laughs> perhaps somebody could write, I don't know, a uh, AI AI module or something to help me make these jokes. Um, oh. It would be it would be awfully convenient. But then again, it would probably plagiarize off of some other person who thought they were a comic or something, eh? Oh well, you know, LLMs don't consider it plagiarizing. It's just training. <laughs> Neither do comics. <laughs> it's funny that way. Comics um, are allowed under parody law. They're allowed. But uh, but LLM. Uh, they'll shank each other backstage for it, though. They'll seriously, they, you'll, get, you'll get shanked oh, yeah. for that. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I helped this so. friend get, his, get off the ground with his uh, comedy. He's, he's actually a full-time comedian. You know, it's, he's done it for, for many years. But, um, yeah, they'll shank each other over a joke. <laughs> well, if, um, if uh, uh, OpenAI founder, uh, co-founder, um, Ilya, um, Sutska, Sutska ever, I think I got that one right. Sutskever, I think I got that name right. Ilya Sutskever, um, has it their way. Then, OpenAI is going to create methods to use itself to keep other AI models in check, um, trying to prevent um, AI from going rogue. Going, yes. The big fear yes. has been if AI starts to train itself, then um, it's only a matter of time before it figures out that um, we're barely pre-adolescent meat puppets, and um, <laughs> and you know starts taking matter and matters into its own hands, or more or more um, more likely, um, you know. 
Okay, there's this there's this incredibly contentious uh, algorithm that's being used um, in a number of property management uh, companies, um, where uh, they really try to optimize the entire business of of landlording uh, into a cut and dried thing rather than pro providing homes for people. Um, but the, these algorithms are heartless and humanless, and um, you know, designed to drive towards the greatest possible profit, regardless of the pain that they cause. If AI was to start developing and augmenting these kind of programs that got mass usage, um, I mean, honest to goodness, who knows what those implications are or any other implication. Um, yeah, yeah, they call it super intelligent AI. It's more intelligent than humans. And then uh, open AI is, dedicating 20% of its computer power uh, to, over the next four years to solve the problem. And they're calling it the super alignment team to align it to human uh, benefit. But then of course there are AI safety advocates who are like, well, by the time that AI would solve the AI problem, the AI would be out of control and already done the damage. So I, it's a very you know, tenuous space like, um, how do you prevent AI from doing things like you just said, you know, and, uh, and with AI governing AI, is that a good thing? I don't know that that's a good thing. So. Well, it's a very good question. And what, one of the, one of the more obvious questions that like you would have thought would have been asked back in November, just sort of got answered in the last couple of weeks when um, ChatGPT or OpenAI itself is limiting ChatGPT. Um, including ChatGPT for Bing because of um, some pretty obvious uh, copyright concerns, given that it trained itself on everything that was ever written, copyright be damned. Well, and it's also um, the, it's the OpenAI open AI Bing chat uh, plugin in OpenAI that they're restricting uh, because people are able to get it to print out paywall articles. So, they're spending till they can figure out how to fix that. So basically somebody just went to like, I believe it was Fortune and they're like, hey, I want you to print out this Fortune article behind the paywall and it did. So uh, that's what they're trying to prevent from that. Although they don't care about the copyrights when they're training on everything. And uh, uh, Google has put out a new privacy policy that it will train on anything public. It is uh, the it will do under Google Translate or any of their services, anything that's public information, they will go ahead and, and use it to translate. I don't know how that works with websites. Like if you have a robot text on there, it says don't crawl. I don't know if that still crawls, but I imagine it does as they're training. It's not the search engine part. So, so we'll see. But I, I have very, very strong feelings about the fact that this is copyright infringement. And uh, if, if I was in university, and I went out and I read a whole bunch of stuff and I just paraphrased all that stuff, a little bit of my own words, some of their words, I would be expelled from school if I didn't have citations on there, right? So the fact that they're going out and training on everybody's work and uh, then publishing it with a chat model that just rewrites it in its own words is basically that. And though it's not illegal, I don't know if it falls under copyright infringement, it definitely is unethical if you were in an academic situation. So I don't know why we say it's cool because it's a big company doing it. Well, most most things in the world aren't as stringent as academic uh, as academic scenarios, unfortunately. Um, and again, in uh, in much of our world, good enough is good enough. Um, and again, there are. There are, it is, I'm sorry, it is. I've, I've watched TV for most of my 54 years and I can assure you um, for, for a lot of it, good enough is good enough. But there's again, so many things that um, AI can do really well and solve um, from from diagnoses to um, legal, to well-written legal opinions. Don't no. get it, don't, don't it, you know, can no. give you a legal, it can give you a great legal opinion, do not get it to write your case for you. <laughs> but it, can, it can give you an excellent. It can give you an excellent and extremely well-educated opinion I'm, that you cannot put in front of a judge. But, but no, don't put it in front of a judge. You but might it, but, wind but up it will, like the lawyers. It will, it will quote the law quite well for you. 
it might it throw makes, other stuff in. That's why yeah. you're a trained lawyer reading it. It might make up some uh, case studies, but <laughs> case law. But um, uh, yeah, but it's still it's still it's still training on people's copyrighted materials without any compensation for those people to those people. So to me, that's that's no different than if I was a human was like sitting down and reading stuff and then just rewriting it a little bit. It's not my it's not my thoughts, not my ideas, not my images. Um, and I'm just using algorithms to make them undistinguishable enough that I can get away with copyright law. Indistinguishable enough. Sorry, undistinguishable. The, um, <laughs> the other fear of AI that's come up this week, and uh, this was actually, I think, a story from last week, but and we weren't able to get to it, but it's um, one that's absolutely worth mentioning um, and, and, and for people to be on the lookout for. Um, Stable diffusion software allows users, you know, to, to describe using using word prompts an image, and the program then goes and creates it for them using the images of, say, Donald Trump getting arrested. He doesn't actually put in handcuffs, and he wasn't actually led away by police, and there wasn't actually a big riot uh, behind him while he was being led away by police because all of those were AI images. They didn't actually happen, but it looked a lot like a real image. And if you were a Trump arrest fetishist, perhaps you could be very, you know, happy about this image, even though it didn't actually happen. Well, something a little more frightening, um, AI is being used to simulate child sex abuse in images. And um, these images are out on the internet and being um, traded uh, by, by, by pedophiles. pedophiles um, yeah. And uh, this, incidentally, is from a BBC.com report. Um, so this isn't an American, Canadian, uh, or, or, or North American problem. This is a, an international um, thing on the uh, international body of the web. If you see images like this, there are a hundred different places you can report them. Um, in America, the FBI is extraordinarily interested. In Canada, the RCMP or OPP, Ontario Provincial Police, are interested. And in the UK, call them Matt. They'll be interested. Um, but yeah. again, it's just, it just, what weirds me out is... Um, Everything about it, pretty much? Well, no. Just, we used to ask if um, the social media was aware of misinformation or... Um, uh, uh, hate or other action or, or, or outright criminal activity um, being done on their networks. For instance, is somebody selling heroin using Facebook as a media, as, as a marketplace? Um, and the, the, for, what it's for, for good or bad, the social networks seem to be able to crack down on stuff like that. Um, if somebody is using Facebook to sell heroin, they don't get to do it for long because um, either the Social network catches them, um, and kicks them off the platform, or the cops catch them. Um, how come the AI company, Stable Diffusion, do they inspect? Do they have a clue what their um, engine is being used for? Yeah, it's really hard to say, right? Uh, I'm sure they have some clue, and I'm sure they're trying to do something on their side, but it's a really difficult thing to monitor. Uh, they also Apparently, although these images, so people do understand, even though they're not of like uh, living children, it's probably the best way to say it, uh, they're still illegal. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it was generated by AI or it was a photo someone took. It is still illegal. You, you still get arrested and you will still go to jail for it. But uh, there's a site in Japan where cartoon drawings of children that are sexualized are not illegal. And that's where a lot of these are, are showing up. So. But it, it's hard to know, like, they have to get good at moderating this kind of action on their platforms. But how do you do that? That's really, that's a hard thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah, but it's pretty, pretty awful. This is also used to, there's been some recent cases, although it's not highly prevalent yet, it, it has happened, where um, someone will make a video or image of somebody using their face and likeness and uh, you know put it out there as a um, uh, revenge porn or you know bl blackmail somebody uh, even though it's not them 
uh, it looks like them. So there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of dangers in this technology being released the way it did so fast. And I know I say it all the time. I think it's great for things like science and medicine and it's, you know, in a controlled environment with academics who understand its power and know what it does. Uh, but you know, letting regular people just get online and do whatever they want with it is problematic tremendously. And that's why we have things like child porn being created by AI, so. I think one of the uh, strangest things about AI, and, and I want to remind listeners, it's almost been a year. We're in July now, and AI as a functioning, usable, you can play with it model has been around since November. So it's been eight months now. Um, and in that eight months, the world's changed uh, kind of markedly. Recently, Go sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dad. You're well, I, was, I was about to say recently, um, several large media houses, uh, I guess most notably um, BuzzFeed. Um, but I understand the um, uh, uh, ESPN has now gone to AI generated content. And they fired a number of their uh, sports reporters. It's so sad because truthfully, AI generated content, content is mediocre. It like sounds good, but it doesn't offer you anything especially insightful or interesting, which is why under the helpful content update, <laughs> it talks about that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's something different, I digress. But, uh, but yeah, but it doesn't offer anything. Like the sports reporter probably has a relationship with a bunch of the players, has insights, knows things about them that you wouldn't get. The, the chat GPT can only regurgitate what it's been trained on. So it's already information that exists. It's not anything new or different. Well, the way we do things, it pretty much dictates the way um, our culture, our society, and our infosphere unfold. As Christine just noted, um, a good sports reporter has a what makes a good reporter is their relationships. People trust them, people talk to them, they know who to talk to, they know how to talk to these people. Um, they speak the same, they speak enough of the same language that um, an inside communication can happen. And from there comes the real good, the real stories. We're probably going to lose that with AI, but that's just an example of um, things that change in the last eight months the economy of the web has changed it's now a lot cheaper to produce large amounts of content infinitely okay. cheaper um in fact you only have to pay 20 bucks a month to produce large amount and and however many tokens you need beyond that um to produce large amounts of content is it good content i don't know is it helpful content i don't know uh, um, not according to Google, though, it's not. Some, well, again, sometimes it might be, sometimes it might not be. No, no, if it's straight AI content, I'm not talking about edited content, that's different. But the helpful content update and then just general advice from Google has been your content can't just be well-written or sound good, it has to be useful and helpful. Mm -hmm. And useful and helpful are things that AI can't do because AI can only regurgitate what already exists. And it's not useful to put out another thousand articles about the exact same thing written differently. Um, again, uh, currently, some of, some of that may actually be quite helpful and quite useful. But as we go along and, and it trains on itself, it's only a matter of time before the utility of, of information um, gets basically bleached. Um, well, yeah, especially as it trains on itself, so it'll degradate over time. But I'm, I'm still saying that, and I'll, I'll not die on this hill, but I'll stand on this hill that um, when you read the helpful content update, it wants useful content. And since AI can only regurgitate what exists in just a different form, it is not helpful because I already have that content. If I go look up, uh, I've had this weird thing where I wind up with what feels like food poisoning every Saturday night for three weeks. Who knows why? But when I look it up, there's you know 100 different articles already out there that say basically the exactly same thing. So Google doesn't need to index another thousand articles that say the same thing. And the AI can only regurgitate what it trained on. It cannot go outside what it trained on. So there's no new useful or helpful insights in that content. So if you're the first to market or you're the big boy on the block here, yeah, you'll probably rank. But you're just putting out your health blog and you want to make some money on affiliate or something. And you're just regurgitating what's already out there with all this AI content. I don't think you're probably going to do very well. If you do, it won't be for very long. 
That's just my opinion. But if you read that, also the helpful content of Dave says you can't write it with automation. So that's part of it. It says we're fine with AI, but you can't automate this content. So apparently you're not that fine with AI. But um, but I do think that that's at some point search engines are going to have to start not indexing the content that's all regurgitated off the same trained information because what does Google need with a trillion pages of the same stuff? An additional trillion pages of the same information. They don't. Oh, indeed. Indeed. And as I said, the utility of information is going to eventually bleach itself as yeah. it becomes the snake eating its own tail uh, phenomena. Um, what I'm trying to get at, though, is a more fundamental change, not just to how Google um, perceives and uh, verifies information, but um, to how we work on the web, how we work together as um, uh, effective teams. Um, and I'm, I think this is more of a concern with where we're going to be three or four years from now than how, even next year at this time than where we are right now. Because right now, all those skills that we still rely on to make the web work are still there. They're still present. They're still in the ecosystem. But um, as uh, ChatGPT gets used as a uh, 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 replacement for GitHub, um, a lot of that skill of like puzzling together um, programming is going to go by the wayside. And I'm really concerned about that. I am concerned about it, but I'm not concerned about it replacing GitHub because it has a lot of errors in it. I'm concerned more that Microsoft is working right now on developing a program that can write code to get rid of developers. In, uh, indeed. Where are we going yeah, to be which is different. now? Yeah, and that's, that's a different thing. Like the LLMs are highly inaccurate and I know a lot of programmers that work with it and it helps them like get past something or you know how to start a piece of code but they have to constantly edit it so i don't it's not going to replace like real real coders <clears throat> but the uh but the microsoft plan to you know train something that can is you know they have the resources and they have the technology to do that and i also think that's just a pretty awful thing because really the only reason you're doing it is to not have to pay employees a salary I mean, that's the only reason you're doing it. You're not, you're not doing it for any other reason. And, and it's just, I mean, yeah, you'll say efficiency or productivity, but it's just making people unemployed and unemployable. So I, I think that we need, as we've talked about before, rules and regulations around that. Because uh, what are we going to do when we have a society of people that don't have jobs and don't pay taxes? Like, you know, how are you going to have those firemen show up at your house when you have a fire if there's nobody to pay their salaries because nobody's paying taxes because, they, you know, the AI is doing all the work. I'm pretty sure it was also Bill Gates who strongly suggested we tax the productivity of AI rather than taxing oh, income. That's a great idea. I like that idea. Yes, they um, need to come up with some answers fast. Very fast. Well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, income tax is kind of a uh, 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 1918 version of productivity tax, right? It's a way to tax productivity, uh, except as an individual's productivity, and it's pretty basic model, but it's a pretty basic model that was come up with over a hundred years ago. Um, uh, and by the way, I'm not, I believe in paying your taxes. The, 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 yeah, the, me too. the four figures I give to Ottawa every month um, suggest that. Um, but uh, uh, I also believe that the way we're taxed is not fundamentally fair. Um, that there's, you know, a lot of um, very large entities not paying their fair share. I think shifting the burden to those entities um, and away from the beleaguered consumer is probably uh, a, a 21st century way of looking at taxation. Oh, I agree. I agree, especially if you're going to replace workers with AI because you don't have to give it days off or you know health benefits. Well, so. indeed, and and as somebody from who who I, I also work in uh, with with political parties. Um, uh, uh, you do. I absolutely do. It's the um, first I've heard of it. <laughs> totally and so revenue is important. Tax revenue is, is really important. And um, I can't, can't, can't underestimate the importance of tax revenue. Um, it keeps and really keeps fire <laughs> on the road, as Christine suggested. It really yeah. does. Um, it keeps them Dalmatians fed. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So, oh, and I think that's where we're going to go in the future. If this, if, if AI does continue to displace jobs, I think we're well, going to have to start taxing productivity at yeah, the, I agree. at the factory end, not the factory worker end. 
Yes, totally agree. We, 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 we can't pay anymore at this point. <laughs> By the way, interesting though, before you mm -hmm. switch topics. Uh, so ChatGPT, people are starting to lose interest in it, it looks like. Well, visits to the site are down. But could that be because there's more, um, I was looking at that story and wondering, is that because people are actually going there less or there's more um, apps to go there to go there for you? It's possible. It's definitely possible. But uh, it, it is down 10% in the US. And then uh, Bards does, Chatbot Bard doesn't even rank in the top three. <laughs> so, but it is interesting that people are not going there as often. The truth is it was a, like any fad you know when it first comes out everyone rushes to it and then it drops off because there are people who find it's not all that useful for them so i have a feeling it's probably something like that but you're what you're saying is also part probably part of it as well so and they're probably actually a little happy because uh, they're running out of gpus to serve <laughs> yes, chat GPT. so he's probably actually he said in the congressional hearings i'd be really happy if people stopped using it as much because we're running out of gpus <laughs> so i paraphrase <laughs> Yeah. So I, but I do think it's interesting. I do think a lot of people aren't going to find it all that useful for them, you know, over time, because if you're not a programmer, you're not doing what we do for a living, not science or medicine or something like that, uh, you may find it's not all that useful to write your emails with chat GPT. Plus, if you get busted doing that with like a significant, important email, <laughs> like I know people that have their kids write their Mother's Day cards with chat GPT. I was like, no, don't. No, do nothing that. shows love like like, <laughs> like having a bot write your mom's day card for exactly. you. Don't do that. This is wrong. Hey, this just in. This is uh, this is our breaking news section of the of the podcast. Oh, I got one too. You go first. Um, according to the Guardian, uh, Twitter is threatening to sue Meta over threats. Uh, in a letter to CEO Mark Zuckerberg, a lawyer for the Elon Musk owned app, reportedly said Meta had unlawfully misappropriated trade secrets. Oh, uh, really? Had Meta has engaged in systemic, willful, and unlawful misappropriation of Twitter's trade secrets and other intellectual property. I'm guessing they hired somebody that Musk oh. fired. See, that was my story for you, breaking story. Uh, apparently, Meta hired a bunch of Twitter employees that left were fired by Musk. Yeah, there you go, right? I did, I, I, <laughs> listeners, I swear to God, I did not know that, and she did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. I was just going to tell you. I just saw it come through Twitter. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's really going to sue on because, I mean, the, I mean, he could sue on iconography or stuff like that. The algorithms, maybe, but they're not using those algorithms yet on threads. I can tell you that by being there. And they're using so, Instagram's network, not the, like I imagine they're using Instagram's networking um, tool. I don't know how those handshakes are made or, or remembered, but not Twitter's. Yeah. And also they're going to be a federated site too, which Twitter is not. Federated for people who don't know just means you're open to things like Mastodon uh, hooking into you. But it's interesting. It will be, be I think the, uh, the cage match is definitely going to still be on. Uh, it's, and uh, I guess this is our update on the only thing that really matters is the cage match between Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Elon Musk. As far as we know, it's still on. I thought I thought I, I understood one of the hotels in Vegas that actually um, offered was it the Grand yeah. has offered space. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is that you know Musk suing Zuckerberg. Do you think Zuckerberg's Facebook lawyers haven't gone over this like by like every niche and cranny of launching this being so similar to Twitter? Like, I think I'm sure Facebook's, that I think Facebook's lawyers make enough money to get front row seats to watch Zuckerberg mop the floor with Musk is what I think. I think so too. I actually know a Facebook lawyer here in Vegas. Really, really nice, nice guy. Works in privacy. Um, smart as a whip. I, I really don't think the legal team at Facebook went, let's just steal stuff and, and we'll just take the, the, the lawsuits later. <laughs> yeah, that happened. So they're probably just, just off, just different enough that a lot of the property stuff won't won't count and uh even though they took over twitter employees which i think is hilarious <laughs> that, that is but, wonderful yeah i mean i'm not you know me i'm not a zuckerberg fan and he's done a lot of very wrong things but in the battle of zook versus musk yeah i'll, I'll take zook zook's product over over musk's product especially after every time he comes up and this is just my personal opinion on the pattern of his forcing people to pay him Every time it comes up where his balloon payment is due on the the money he took from the banks, 
because if he doesn't pay that balloon payment, they can recall, they can make him pay them $14 billion instantly. Like that's the deal. So um, every time there's a balloon payment coming up, he finds some way he thinks he's going to force people to pay him, which just makes people mad. And some people pay him, but a lot of people don't. So, uh, so he did that because TweetDeck now is going to be paid for. You won't be able to use TweetDeck without paying for a verified, which is not verified. I, we got to call it something else, just a blue check. So, uh, but interesting, very interesting that he's now suing. So we'll have more to report when we know more. Right now, I'm that's sure, all. I'm sure that's this all. will go on. Yeah, that's all the detail right now. He's suing over intellectual property. That's it. Oh, this yeah. isn't a Google product. Chances are threads will go on. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah. speaking of, uh, this is a bit of a shift of a gear, but we're getting into something that's actually really near and dear to me. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, Christine, I'm sorry, this is not part of our uh, of our of our uh, 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 our story list, but I'm pretty sure you saw this report. Um, it's in Search Engine uh, Roundtable today. Um, and this one's near and dear to me. It's about site structure, but it's about blogs, so I don't really care. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's just about blogs, though. Not really. I read this one. It's not site structured necessarily. Just blogs. Well, okay. This is about blogs, yeah. But I don't see why Google doesn't. Uh, this, and this drives me crazy. Okay. First off, blog doesn't mean anything. Blog is a four-letter word. Blogs is a five-letter word that starts with B. <laughs> it's not really sorting anything or helping Google find relevancy in anything if you use the folder blogs. So the the, the story is. John Mueller, um, in reply to a question, um, says it doesn't matter if you put your blog posts in a blog-specific folder. Google doesn't care. Google's going to find that blog post if it's in the root or if it's in the blog-specific folder. And based on the structure of the post, it's going to know what it is. It knows it's an opinion piece. It's a blog piece. It knows what it is. Mm -hmm. um, it knows mm -hmm. if, it's, if, it's, if it's trying to sell something. It knows it's trying to sell something because it can read. So this is about your blog. This isn't about um, a um, highly specialized piece of industrial machinery or even skin cream. Um, this is about your blog. <laughs> so some SEOs insist, absolutely insist that you have to put things in the proper structure. So you do URL.com.ca.co.uk, whatever, yeah. slash blog slash title of blog post other seos say yeah it don't matter throw it anywhere yeah Mueller says it doesn't matter <laughs> throw know. it anywhere we're not wrong yeah he's wrong <laughs> now okay i don't think he's wrong exactly but i'm one of those seos who is kind of like an electrician and really wants to see a nice um orderly power panel i want to see those wires coming out in an orderly fashion and i want that to be really easy to trace wire wire to um outlet in the house so i feel the same way about um you know about about site structure <laughs> files need to need to identify with a place that they should reside well here's i've talked to john about this before okay by the way John sounds a little spicy here. It's like John said, sometimes SEOs tell you myths about getting better ranking one way or the other. They're wrong. Then he added, sometimes they tell you not to listen to anyone from Google. Sometimes they're right, but not this time. <laughs> I never tell anyone not to listen to John, but you have to listen to John like you listen to Matt and the devil's in the tiny, tiny details. But, but for when I asked John about this, I said, but John, it, you said in one post, it does matter in linking, but it doesn't matter in structure. Right. Well, okay. So that's where the tiny, tiny detail is, right? No, Google doesn't need the structure itself, but when you link and it crawls the link, then that matters. So if you don't have the structure, you don't have the structure in your link. So it's, how, I does, said it's how does, how does that affect, how does the, that structure in the link affect Google's crawl? Well, Google disambiguates your site name from once it gets into your site, right? So if everything's off the root, you're telling it nothing about the pages. And then the link tells it something about the pages. What's the next page gonna be? And the anchor text tells you what the next page is gonna be. So if you have no structure and everything's off the root and everything's important, then you tell Google nothing about your site. So you're giving Google information through the link structure, through the link itself. And then that is your URL structure though. So I, I couldn't get him to 
tell me how they were different. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, no, that's true. The, the, the link structure matters in the crawl internally with the anchor text, but it doesn't matter as site structure. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I didn't get an answer on that, but I do know, and you worked on this project with me, Jim, that when we did take a site that had no structure and we yep. put one piece of structure in, we just made one folder for their main content, three months later, all that content was the top ranking content on their site. And by the way, I, if, you, if you remember correctly, that, that webmaster had, had originally screwed up and blogs were um, posts and posts for blogs. Yeah, pages. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. In WordPress. Yeah, yeah. they were. And so, I don't think you need to say blog. I don't think blog matters. And that's the big, where the detail is in this one. Is blog doesn't matter, but your structure does matter. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at the responses to... Um, to John's advice here, and every SEO is who's who's giving advice is falling on the um, site structure is important. Well, uh, and we know side. it from just doing it. Anytime I've worked with a client that doesn't have site structure, and we've worked on their site structure, those pages suddenly are the ones that get the best visibility in, in traffic. And you know, because we saw what happened on the one site we worked on. I mean, everything everything was under that that new structure we put in for one folder. Because now, it, I mean, we should say one main folder, there were subfolders, but then Google had indications of what content was there as opposed yep. to everything's off the route. And so we don't, everything's important. Nothing, nothing, nothing's, uh, you know, Google likes uh, a site to be like a good book. Navigation is your table of contents. You have clarity on your pages. You have content and subcontent. That's what a structure is. If you just open up a book, there's no table of contents and there's no delineation between chapters or subchapters. That would be a really difficult book to, like, I'm not talking about like a fiction book, but I just mean like a, you know, academic type book. That'd be a very difficult book to understand what the book was about. See, but at this point, I think Google is going to find that content and will understand it um, because Google's a very good reader. However, you're making it much easier for Google. Yes. And, in yeah, you're it and I believe that you're improving your chances of getting a stronger ranking. Not only that, but um, let's say you're working on a website that belongs to a company. It's not your website, but you're, you're one of many people who has or will be working on that website. Honest to goodness, leave a tidy environment for the people coming after you. And heck, leave a tidy environment for you that morning when you wake up and there's a big crisis and you need to solve problems immediately. Trust me, that tiny environment helps a lot. Well, yeah, you really want to make, you know, you want to make it as clean for Google as possible, right? So you don't well, have and for structure. yourself and for, for other people too. working on the yeah. website later. I agree, totally agree. But I'm saying when it comes to SEO, you wanna make your signals as clean and clear as possible. So sure, you don't have to put in the structure. John says, they'll try to figure it out, but that doesn't mean they will figure it out. And if you're being very clear and concise about what your structure is, what your pages are about, you know, your internal linking, your where your topics are, what your topics are, what your subtopics are. It's much easier for Google to ingest what you're doing and much easier for it to return you for relevancy, which as we learned earlier in this podcast today is the most important part of SEO is that you're relevant. And so if you give it a lot of signals, then it's easier for it to determine what's relevant when it's trying to pull back something for a search. So I, I don't, I'm not saying John, I, I adore John, John's awesome. Um, but I, I'm just saying that uh, the devil's in the details. It doesn't matter if you put the word blog in there, but uh, site structure because of linking, internal linking, does matter. We've got time for one last thing, and I, I, I'm jumping on this one, Christine, because it's driving me nuts. <laughs> What's that? Okay, so Google Google has uh, uh, um, sundowned uh, Universal Analytics 3. Mm -hmm. um, it might still be recording data, but it's, it's, you know, whatever, it's going away. It's gone. Basically, it's gone. Webmasters are switching over to other um, analytics packages, um, trying them out. Uh, some of them are useful, some of them aren't. But you know what's driving me nuts? What? Many of them are leaving head-breaking code in the head. Don't give me my secret. Don't give me my secret. Oh, this is driving me nuts. I came, across, I came across another one today. On you've seen, yes. you've, you've seen this client of mine. The um, I I'm not. I can't even describe what industry they're in because it'll give them the giveaway who they are. But um, they're they're a pretty behemoth, a pretty behemoth uh, ecom website, and um, they're trying out a different analytics package, 
on my recommendation, damn it. And really, <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, so suddenly I'm, you know, I'm, I'm inspecting, I'm, I'm using f F12 inspector and the, this div tag just jumps out and hits me in the jugular vein. Oh, it, almost, it almost nicked my jugular vein. I'm telling you, the damn thing's dangerous. Well, shoot, now you're giving away my secret because whenever I take on an audit, that's the first thing I check and send over. So it's a quick fix that can make a big difference if it's causing a big problem. So well, so yeah. listeners out there, um, A, call Christine first. And if she tells you this, follow <laughs> it. But if you can't afford to call Christine, and many of you, many of you can't, but um, <laughs> many of you, most of you can't. But anyway, but, 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 but the, the, the point is, if there's something that's going to break or, or inhibit um, the crawler from getting from point A to point Z in the head of your website, reading all the all the meta information that's supposed to be in there. If it closes the head before that stuff is read, it don't get read. In fact, yeah. often Google just goes away. It doesn't even read the content. Well, yeah, I actually I actually checked this with Martin Split from Google. Mm -hmm. So I was asking him is the the issue with the invalid HTML or like image HTML image, or there's one other thing that breaks the head. Uh, div tag break it, ahead. That's it. I was like, does it always close it? He goes, always. It will always close it at that point. So, so okay. So at that point, is everything beforehand? Is that looked at? That's looked at, but nothing afterwards. Basically, what it does is it writes an open body tag and an ending head tag. It so it figures you have HTML here. Well, that should be in the body. So why is it in the head? It's not. We're going to close the head, and now we're opening the body. So everything below that doesn't get read. So sometimes it's not that traumatic. I tell people if they have like a third party tool that they have to have in the head because somebody didn't bother to check that when they created the tool, put it right above the closing head tag because you're doing the same thing, you're closing head there. But if it's like in the middle and your CSS is under it or your JavaScript or anything Google needs to render the page, you could actually drop pages out of the index, which happened to a client that I audited last year around this time and they were down 80, 90%. And I went and found they had a head tag issue and it was breaking the head and we fixed it and they went up 110%. 156 of their pages out of 900 had been de-indexed. But I'm, I'm telling like, you, I'm seeing this happen more yeah. frequently and it's driving yeah. me nuts. It's because of the, yeah, it's because of the, uh, the third-party tools that do yeah. it. But people need to be aware that if you have a down, especially if you don't see an update anytime recently, go check for this because it, because Google has to have the CSS and the JavaScript to render the page. If they cannot render your page, your GS, your JavaScript or your CSS is inaccessible because in this case, the head closed, right? And now it's not reading it. Uh, it will drop those pages out of the index. It has to be able to read your, your what, develop, what renders your page. So your CSS and JavaScript have to be available. That's true for everything, but this is just one of the ways that could be broken. Well, yeah, that's one of the ways that'll, that'll, that'll stop it. And again, Christina, go talk to somebody about this, which is driving me crazy. <laughs> okay, we've third gone. Tools. Yeah, hey, all you third-party tool makers out there, do it right, please. <laughs> um, or give explicit instructions to bury it at the bottom of the head. Like, hey, explicitly but, tell people this. But it makes you look like such a genius when I solved this for a client in the first, like, day of getting an audit. <laughs> Well, you know what? Um, I've seen your audits. You have a bunch of other tricks up your sleeve too. So I'm not, <laughs> okay. I'm not killing your business here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. I'm just teasing, but thank you. <laughs> okay. We've gone full circle. Um, it's uh, uh, end of show on the uh, 6th of July, 2023. On behalf of Christine Chackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Uh, be kind to each other. Rank well. Don't get so angry online. I mean, seriously, it's really, it's only, it's only Facebook or Twitter or threads. It's really not that important. <laughs> keep your oh. blood pressure down. Be a good webmaster. Keep invalid HTML elements out of the head. Rank oh, well. We've got one important thing. Oh, no, no. What's up? What's up? What's up? One important thing. Next week, I will be in Amsterdam. Oh, shoot. That's right. I will be in Amsterdam on the show. So I will be talking to you from the pond. <laughs> That's it. Next week, Christine is speaking at a conference in Amsterdam and we'll be coming to you from this conference. Um, yes. What's the conference? Uh, it's oh, I'd be live gaming. It's a gaming affiliate conference, like real gambling gaming. Uh, I'm speaking on chat GPT. I bet you that's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so next week, Christine's coming to us from Europe um, and uh, we'll still be here. Same bat time, same bat channel. Be well, be kind. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.
the opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.